My parents did an incredible job of raising me in church. There's not a day I can remember not knowing that God loved me and that uh, Jesus wanted relationship with me. But at 15 years old, it seemed like my life came crashing down. See, my dad was a high-profile person in our community. He was a football coach, principal, and in leadership. One day after school, we got news that my dad was being accused of some egregious things. Those things were untrue and proven untrue, but at the moment, in that moment, my world came crashing down. We went through a very public criminal case against my dad that lasted a year. It ate away at me on the inside. How could something like this happen to my dad? And in a moment of interrogation at 15 years old, I was sitting across the table from some lawyers, some investigators. But in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, Derek, you cannot mess up. Just imagine what will happen to your dad, to your family, if you mess up. I began to try and be perfect. <laughs> and what I realized quickly was that that's impossible. I tried to show the world that Derek Dunn was, was great and fine and perfect on the inside. I was being eaten alive. See, Christianity for me was what I did for God, but what I had neglected to see and, and did not hear was truly what it meant that Jesus did something for me. So I spent this long period of life battling with sin, battling with trying to be perfect and failing miserably, and, and looking for acceptance in places and in friendships and relationships that just could not offer what I needed deep on the inside. So finally, after years, I remember having a conversation with God. I said, God, I love you, but I am terrible at serving you. I'm finished trying to do this on my own. If there is such thing as a Christian life, I, I want to know what it really is. I don't want it to just be shaped by my parents or uh, shaped by some false perception I have in my mind. I want a relationship with God that is based on truth, the gospel began to come alive to me. For the first time, I realized that the Christian life was not about what I was going to do for God, but it was about what God in Jesus Christ had done for me. If it is true that I'm saved by grace and it's not what I've done, it's not because of my works, it's not because I have to live this perfect Christian life for God to love me, but if He came and loved me before I ever thought about loving Him, this changes everything. And from that moment forward, I began to devour the Word of God. And it, it was as if the good news of Jesus was on every page. And I, I saw the Bible not as a, a guidebook for me to live some perfect life, but it was a, a love story um, of, of God's love for His people. And He was coming to get me. And it wasn't me clawing myself to Him. It was the extent to which God was coming to get His people. And ultimately, He would give His life for us. There's no more trying to be perfect because the one who is perfect came and gave his life for me. And that's the good news. The gospel of Jesus that radically transformed my life gave me victory over the sins that had me bound. Amen. How many of you can concur with what he just said? And God has done the very thing for you. Let me see you wave at me. Amen. Give the Lord a hand praise for that. That's amazing. It is always a privilege and honor to stand and, and sit at the table of God's holy word. It is something that we should never take for granted. Um, just an amazing, we've been hearing amazing testimonies before each message during this resurrected uh, life series by Pastor Renee that he, God has given him. And today we're going to do part five 
the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, man, I, I tell you what, um, some of you better put on your seatbelt, lock down your wigs, tighten up your dentures. God's meant, even for those who don't have hair, you're good. God is warning his people, now that you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you heard the message. And all over this place, there are those of you who have heard the message of truth. And as you sat in those seats all over this building, your heart began to pound from the very first worship song all the way through to the altar call, to the message, and then the invitation. And for many of you who just came for the first time or may have been coming, that service, you chose to obey Jesus Christ and the the leading of the Holy Spirit. Something was driving you. You probably did not want to move, but everything within you was connecting with what God was saying and what God was doing in that service. And the only thing you knew to do was to respond to what the Holy Spirit was telling you to do, and that was to come down and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Now, many of you know that some of you, to, to, to make a step of that magnitude around people you do not know, that's moving out of your comfort zone. Many of you are not very comfortable doing things like that. But it took a great deal of faith to move when the Holy Spirit told you to move. And when you made that step, it all came together for you because when you made him the Lord of your life, It was something you reveal. You didn't come to him first. He came to you first. He was calling us first. He didn't wait for us to come to him. He came to us. And all you did on that faithful day was you responded to what God had ordained before the foundation of the world, that you would be holy and righteous in him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So this morning I ask that as the Holy Spirit began to reveal his word, the word of truth to you, as you will do some introspection, look within yourself and say, God, are you speaking to me this morning? Would you close off everything that may be a distraction to you? Because God got some things he want to say. He has been saying to all of us in this series, a spirit led life, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So many people, so many Christians started out on this journey. And then begin to fizzle out because of the pressures of life, the persecution, the enemy, the lies and deceit. So many of them started on the journey and it fell by the wayside. There are some things I believe that God wants us to be reminded of. When we talk about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God is calling for every single born again believer to take the next step to go deeper with him. Many of us have been very comfortable with just staying in the shadows, ankle deep, knee deep. Some would even go waist deep. But the minute we start getting to a level in the natural water where now it gets up to our neck and even close to where our nose is, certain things we begin to realize that We no longer have the power and the strength to be able to control our motion and movement. We become controlled by the waves of the water. And for some that don't know how to swim, that could be very frightening. I'm not, I used to be, I I can do this. I can swim. That can be frightening. And when you dive into water, the greater depths of water, you begin to realize that you are no longer at your own mercy. That you no longer control other than where you're uh, swimming. But in terms of the flow of the water, the volume, now you're under control of the the volume of the water. And many Christians are staying in that safe place because it is a place that they can control their lives. The Bible says deep call it unto deep. But many many of us are afraid to take that next step to go deeper in God because it's going to require some relinquishing of some things. It's going to require us to be able to become disciplined in our prayer life. It's going to require us to spend a little bit more time rightly dissecting the word of truth. It's going to require us severing some relationships 
Relationships that we knew we should not be having anyway. It's going to require us to make some adjustments in the things that we hear, the things that we're saying, and the places we're going and what we're seeing. It's going to be a requirement. Why? Because we're going to look throughout this message today and at the very heart, even through all of our songs, there was a theme that was running through the song. And I think, uh, uh, what's her name, led the worship this morning. Tori, we didn't give her a theme, and she loved that, but it was interesting as I sat and listened to every single song, it was a confirmation. The scripture you read in Ephesians was a confirmation. You see, you need to understand there are many of us in here come, but there's only one person that runs this house, and it's Jesus Christ. And everything that submits to him submits to his perfect authority and his perfect order. There is no confusion in this house because of who who this house belongs to. So God is calling for us to go deeper. And my objection today, objective today, is not to just give you a bunch of information about all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the emphasis here is to how can we live a life in such a way that those powerful gifts, and they are gifts that the Father wants to give to each and every one of us, but on a practical sense, how can we use these gifts and those things on a more practical, everyday usage? Now, I grew up as a church kid. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, I grew up as a drug baby. My mama drugged me to church every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday. And one of the things I've come to understand, for any one of you that have gone, come up through the ranks in churches, is for some reason, a great majority of the body of Christ believe that the gifts of the Spirit are only for those in leadership. Only for those in leadership, those who hold a position. But I'm here to declare to you the gifts of the Spirit that God wants to relegate in your life. And It's for every single born-again, Holy Ghost-filled believer. Every single one of us. Amen? Amen? Every single one of you. It is a gift from your Father. So today we're going to talk about a car. With an engine. And that car, as beautiful as it might be, and as powerful as the engine is, because the engine makes the car go, it will go nowhere unless you juice that bad boy up. Come on, somebody. Now, we can complain about the amount uh, per gallon that gas costs to put in your vehicle, and yet we still go. But if you choose for some reason to decide, you know what, I'm not paying that kind of money for fuel, I'm going to find something cheaper. I'm going to put some Kool-Aid in there. I'm going to put some water in there. I'll just grab some milk and put in there. I'll find some other substitute. Good luck with that on your journey because you're not going to go far. And I believe that, the, that many Christians are putting stuff inside of our lives that's causing us to stay stifled and not move forward in the things of God. So let's dive first into it. When we look at the apostles and, 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 and we look at great and uh, mighty men and women of the Bible, we look at them and somehow we look at their lives like, God surely cannot use me like that. And we sort of separate ourselves from them as if they were, you know, something special or just, man, when I, you know, and sometimes you read the Bible and it's like, God, are you still doing this today? And if you are, why aren't you doing this through me? But I want to open up my message today. I want to look at, this progression, if you will, what happened to these few men from a spoken word and then what happened as a result of the event that took place. So I want to look at the progression, first of all. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, I want to look at the first step of the progression of this authority that Christ gave these mere ordinary men. And verse 4, it says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem. Until the Father sends you the gifts he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? 
Now, notice what they're asking because they're more interested in an earthly kingdom than a spiritual one. And Jesus was trying to get them. There was the greater kingdom coming. And verse 7, it says this. He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But here's the spoken. Here's the spoken. Somebody say spoken. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, look at verse 8. Here is the spoken. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the spoken. That's the declaration. Now, go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Watch the progression. So we have what was spoken. Now we see the event. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then... What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, in verse 8 of chapter 1, we have what was spoken. In chapter 2, we have the manifestation of what was spoken. But here's the thing I want you to understand. Between what was spoken in chapter 1 and the manifestation bringing it into the reality is that the last part says, and they begin to speak in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. What's the key here? As the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Say it with me. As the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. The key to understanding of living this incredible life, this kingdom life, this spirit-led life, we need to understand we are not in control of these gifts. In my lifetime, I have seen on TV How should I put it? A terrible disservice to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As if they own it. As if we own it. At the very core of these gifts is the understanding. It is the, these abilities have been given as a gift from God by the Holy Spirit. Now I watched both my boys graduate. Manny on Friday night and Nate last week, and I, I sat and I watched it, and I was just totally amazed at God, where did the time go? And of, and of all the things, it would have been good for Nate to walk across the stage, and after he turned the tassel, you know, threw the hat up and walked outside you and Lakefront Arena, that I would just walk up to him and say, son, here's a brand new car. That would have been awesome, right, Nate? Yeah. <laughs> Then Manny come across the stage, you know, Friday night, he throw his hat up and he walk outside, walk up to him, Manny, here's your CX-9. CX-5, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brand new car. They, they would have just absolute, Dad, you're the greatest man, you're the greatest father in the world. And it didn't happen. As a matter of fact, after Manny graduated, I gave him the keys to the truck to pull around and pick us up. I don't know if he thought that, man, daddy's giving me the keys to the silver bullet, that little great truck. No. <laughs> but the thing that excited me the most was my wife and I gave these two young men something that money cannot buy. And that was the love of Jesus Christ demonstrated through two people who submitted to the authority of Christ. <laughs> we gave them the keys and the understanding to the kingdom of God's word through two people whose lives, we're not perfect. We've made a lot of mistakes as parents, as many of you have. But we were determined from birth that we were not going to allow our children to go the way of the culture. I don't care what the statistics are saying about children today, not ours. 
And you need to defy it by saying these children belong to the God who have created us, who have saved us, and they're not going to go the way of the world. We need to declare that out of our mouth today and continue declaring it. We're not going to let the culture dictate to us how our children are going to live. Because we are overcomers. Are there any overcomers in this place today? And your children are overcomers because Jesus Christ overcame. So we see the, the progression. What was spoken in Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. We see the event declared and manifested by the ability of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the results. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. The spoken, the manifestation... And now the results. Here it is. And Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Oh, let me stop right there. Leave the scripture up. Just so that you know, we're in the results. That same guy that just opened up in this particular passage of scripture is the same guy who stood before Jesus when Jesus revealed to him that he was going to die. Oh, no, I'm not going to let that happen. We roll together. We're going to die together, man. We ain't going to let this happen. And Jesus looked at Peter, Peter, Peter. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. Before the rooster crow three times, you're going to deny me. Now, how much of a heartbreak was that for him to hear the man he loved and you're going to walk away from me? And sure enough, the night was Jesus was arrested. And that was, and Peter had his distance and he was warming his hand by the fire. And a girl came up to him and said, wait a minute, I know you, you, you were with him. You look like him, you talk like him, you smell like him. And three times, he said, I don't know him. He got angry, upset. And then all of a sudden the rooster crowed and Jesus turned around and looked at him and he just ran off. He just ran, he remembered. This was a man who was fearful, who was full of shame. And I believe for the next three or four days, he did not sleep well, contemplating what he did and asking himself, how could I have done this? I violated my own will. I violated my own things. I never. How could I have done this? And I don't think Peter slept very well. That's why on that faithful day when Jesus saw him fishing, he yelled out like, caught any fish? And he said, No. We fished all night. Well, throw your net on the other side of the boat. I just have a question for Jesus. Who fished all night on one side of a boat? <laughs> now, I know many of you have never fished with me, but if I'm not catching something, I'm, this is where I fished. <laughs> and that's only so many places I can go on the boat. I'm all over the place. And then he realized when the net was hooked, who he was, and the Bible says he stripped his clothes off and dove. It's that same man of fear. It's the same man that preached under the manifestation of what was happening and what was spoken. And then watch the result. Same man. Same man. Open mouth, insert foot. Same man. Compulsive. Same man. Somebody stole his clothes, he wanted to go knuckle them. Same man. Some of you got family members like that. Open mouth, insert foot. Anger. Issues, don't think. Maybe some of us in here. Watch this. Same man. Watch what happened. Manifestation, results. Then Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth. Somebody say lame from birth. Was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. The one called the beautiful gate. Now, I'm going to set this picture. I want you to see this. The purpose of going to this place was for prayer. Did you get it? The purpose of going to this place was for prayer. But they would bring this man who had an issue, a very ugly problem, and put him at a very beautiful place. Wait, they're going to pray, but they would bring him and put him... Outside the temple, wait, 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 I know you can't walk, I just got you here, let me leave you at the gate. When I finish praying, I'm going to come back and get you. Does anybody see something wrong with this picture but me? How many times we come to church simply because maybe out of duty, guilt, and we come, enjoy, 
Message good. Worship awesome. Maybe. And we leave with no results. They brought this man to a beautiful place to pray, left him outside, went in to pray, and brought him home every single day. Wow. They went to pray. Lame man carried him, put him down. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg the people going into the temple. Now, watch this. (laughs) All of a sudden, somebody shows up living a different way. Somebody shows up that has another understanding about why I'm going to this place. You see, the man, two men that are going to show up, their lives were radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happened. Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently and said, look at us. The lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Many people have been giving him what he wanted, but these two men gave him what he needed. He says, I don't have silver gold, but what I'm about to dispense to you, what I'm about to give to you, that thing which radically changed me, I'm going to give you the very thing that changed me, and it's about to change you. He said this, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Somebody say instantly. This man jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God. He went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Notice what happened when he got his miracle. The two men that prayed for him, they didn't go start a street ministry and says, if you give me a prayer cloth, I'll help, I'll help you to walk. Give you some holy water, you'll get out of debt. But I want you to see what these guys did. That's what he did. When they realized the lame man, the beggar, had been there so often at the beautiful gate, they were astounded, absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement at Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to John and Peter. And I can imagine holding his like, hey, 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 wait, wait, you can walk now. You, don't, you, can, you can walk now. Because if he was lame all of his life, he's probably still had trust issues with these things. He didn't even realize, man, you know what? Thank you, Lord. I don't need you guys. I got Christ. And they held on to him. Peter saw the opportunity to address the crowd. People of Israel, watch this. What is so surprising about this? Look at the normality. Look how how normal they dealt with this incredible miracle. And I'm going to share something with you in a minute. And why are you staring? Now, this is the key. Why are you staring at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or our own godliness? Why are you looking at us like we did this? Here's what his declaration was, their declaration. For it is God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your ancestors, who brought, who has brought Glory to his servant, whom? Who? By doing this, this is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. He redirected their excitement. I know many of you love football, and you see those guys when they cross the goal line, and the fans just absolutely go nuts. And every now and then, you'll see a guy do this. Can I tell you what they're doing? These men who do this, they recognize 
that every time they cross the goal line, this is not their doing, it's the Lord's doing. And what they're doing is redirecting the glory. When the, when the audience give them the praise, they re, re, redirect the glory to God the Father. That's exactly what they're doing. And when people see our lives and they're amazed by what God is doing through us, we need to redirect. We need to redirect. Had a man who came pull up to me the other day, never met him, 14 years. He said, man, I've been watching you. Whoa. Whoa. Never met this guy. That was kind of scary. He worked for the post office. Not that that's scary. (laughs) He said, 14 years ago, you and your wife came and spoke at our church at a Valentine's Day thing. And you shared some things, the truth of God's word and how you treated your wife. And I was a little angry because not at you, but because I wasn't treating my wife like that. Now, I'm standing. I'm not saying a word. I'm just looking at him. And he said, when I left, I decided that I was going to live my life. He said, Lord, if you did it for him, I know you can do it for me. And he said, for the next 14 years, I watched your children. And I see their names in the paper and I'll see this. And I just wanted to tell you, it took me 14 years to finally get to you. And I was going, he says, I just want to say thank you for submitting to God in such a way that people can see the reality of Jesus Christ, not only in you and your wife, but also in your children. The glory go to God. The glory goes to God. Now, he reveals to us the secret to this spirit-led life, this power living. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, I want you to see something because until we get to the point to understand and move ourselves out of the way, this is all about God. This is all God's doing. This is through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ, the head of the church. Until we get to that point, we're going to always see ourselves as not willing or not able to do what God is prompting us and calling us to do. I want you to see this. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, and verse 7, it reveals to us something about what God does when he's ready to do something in your life. Let's look at it. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, here's what's interesting. Watch this. Go back to the first three verses. Do you notice anything in those verses? You see, what God was getting ready to do in this man's life wasn't about him other than obedience. What God is doing and want to do greater in your life is not about you other than obedience. He said, because what I'm going to do, what I am doing and what I want to do is going to be my doing. Look what it says in verse 1. I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you. I will bless you. I will bless you. Verse 7, look what it says. And I will give you. That sort of, I don't know if you get it, it don't take a rocket science to figure, that sort of takes us out of the picture. If any one of you went struggling with the call of God on your life, let me just tell you, let me tell you the secret to really walk in the things of God. Get out of God's way. Get out of his way. Now, what does that mean for those who need a little bit more deeper revelation? Get out of the way. I'm sorry I didn't give you something deeper. I apologize. What do you mean by get out of the way? Please don't be offended by this, what I'm about to tell you. Some of you have a little bit more higher opinion of yourself than you really should have. Others of you have listened to the lies of the enemy, 
You've listened to the lies of your haters and you've told lies and you've listened to your own lies. And you say, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because some of you grew up in families where you couldn't, where you were the, were the run of the family or you weren't the talented one or you weren't the smartest one or you, weren't the mo- you were not the most athletic one. You failed time and time again. And every time you turn around, you fell flat on your face. I'm here to tell you, your heavenly father has preordained your success and he's waiting for you to get your stinking thinking out of the way so he can do some incredible things in your life. You still love me? Okay. Wow. God said, I'm going to do this. This is the Lord's doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 through 11, we talk about the gifts. Here it is. Here it is. Therefore, I, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by what? Note again, it's driven by the Holy Spirit. And there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministrations or ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestations of the spirit is given to each one of you to profit all. Notice it is given to each and every one of the believers. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, a word of knowledge. How? By the same what? To another faith, by what? The same spirit. To another the gifts of healing, by the same what? To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of what? To another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same what? Works all things distributing to each one individually as he wills. Somebody says he wills. See, there is no reason for us to be jealous over this one. God is using this one. God says, you know what? I have ordained you. I have giftings for you. I have a work for you to do. If you manage, if you just get your eyes off of them and get your eyes on me, you will be amazed what I have planned for you to do. Now, that don't go on here, but I've been in churches and some of y'all been in churches. Why are they using her? She always up there. Now, you never think that this don't go on in here. And I think God don't go in. He always got to be in the light. But it's, it's crazy, but I'm, anybody been in those kind of places? Anybody? It is, a, it is amazing if we get our eyes off of and we live, live, live this resurrected. As a matter of fact, this resurrected life we're talking about. At the point of your resurrection, can I tell you what happened to you? Anybody want to take a guess? You died. (laughs) At the point of this resurrected life, you died. I've been to a lot of funerals. I've heard a lot of people say about, say the things about people in it. And (laughs) I, I wonder how much of what was said was really true. Because some of the people would have just stood up and said, I don't know who you're talking about. That ain't me. And then lay right back down. Most of the people would have cleared out of church at that time. (laughs) I've been to funerals. You can walk up to a dead person. I mean, just let them have it verbally. And they won't say a word. (laughs) Why? Because they're dead. We cannot offend dead people. Dead people cannot be offended. You hurt my feelings will move them. And they won't get hurt. I know the Bible said offenses will come. They will come. He didn't say they would never stop coming. But you don't have to respond to them the way the enemy wants you to respond. Oh, really? Thank you. Bless you. May God bless you. Watch this. This is the key. You may want to write this down if you don't have it. The gifts of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer should be driven by, number one, our love and obedience to God. Listen to me. The gifts I'm going to reveal to you, I'm not going to be long, but the gifts that we have, he said the Holy Spirit's gift should be driven 
by our love and our obedience to not only to God, but obedience to what he has given us in his word. And then here's the second part. Oh, why didn't you stop at the first part? The gifts of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer should be driven by our love and obedience to God and our love for people. Why is that? Because God is love. And we cannot adequately represent him at the deepest level of our lives if we're struggling with loving people. I had a t-shirt that said at one of the Christian bookstores on the front. It said, God, I love you. Until I got to the back, I had to scratch my head, but I'm struggling with your people. And I had to look at that t-shirt. I'm like, what? what? Oh, I get it. If we're going to live at a deeper level spiritually, we've got to be willing to submit to the authority of Christ, his word, and we've got to love people. Not only the ones who love us back, but the ones who makes it difficult for us to love them. Okay, the four people that said that, God bless you. Look at 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. It says, the end of the world is coming. Therefore, be earnest in your discipline and your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for whom? Deep love for whom? Turn to your neighbor on the left and say, I love you. Turn and say, I love you with the love of the Lord. Turn to the other one. Okay. For love covers a multitude of sins, even your own. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal. Or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of what? Spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. He says, don't use these gifts to make your own way. Don't use these gifts to put others down and put yourself up. He said, use these variety of gifts to serve one another. When we gather around these altars for pray, I, I am so excited to know that God loves me enough to allow me to be a part of serving you spiritually. What I'm doing this morning, I'm so excited because God, not that I was worthy, because there was nothing worthy in us for us to receive the grace of God, but because of the grace of God, He He has engrafted me and counted me to be a part of what He's doing, to be a part of you, and you'll be a part of me, so that I can serve you. I think the people in Washington have forgotten they work for us. They work for us. Wow. He says, love one another. Now, the question is, what are some of these gifts of the spirit? And I told him I got them in three categories. On Mark 1, 9, in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, I want you to see this. It says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and John the Baptist with him, baptized him in Jordan. And as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice of heaven said, you are my beloved son and you bring me great joy. Guess what happened when the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus? The Holy Spirit pointed and declared who Jesus was. It pointed to Jesus. All nine gifts of these Power gifts should always point to who Christ is, who Christ is. Your life filled with this incredible supernatural power should always point to, point to, point to Christ. Always, always. Wow. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 through 10, it tells us, Therefore I make known to you that... No one speaks by the Spirit of God and calls Jesus accursed. But he says this, by the Spirit of God, he, here the Lord, Jesus Lord, except by the Holy Spirit, there are diversities of these gifts. And we talked a little bit about the gifts, but let me just get into them now. The first set of gifts I want to take a look at, these are called the, uh, the gifts that say something. They're called gifts of utterance. They are the gifts of prophecy. The gifts of divers of tongues and the gifts of interpretation of tongues. These are the gifts, prophecy, diverse of tongues, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. These are gifts that utter. 
prophecy is that when, a, when the believer gets a direct word from God or gives a word from God, direct word from God to give to a person, you need to understand that prophecy will always and should always line up with the scriptures. And if it doesn't, it's false. It should always line up. Not only with scripture, but it must always line up with what God is saying to you in his scripture concerning his words. The gift of prophecy can be used for counseling, instruction, future events, correction, declaring blessings. Why is this gift so powerful? Why is it needed today? Because as you watch TV, there are many voices that's giving, that's saying negative things, negative things. 25% of people is dying of this. 40% of people are dying of that. If you don't live here or you live here, I mean, it's just so much negative. It's to a point now you've got to pull back, turn the, turn the TV off, unplug, and start declaring and uttering what God has said in his word, not only over you, over your spouse, and over your children. Another gift of utterance is called the gift of divers' tongues. For those who desire that, what is that? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks in a language that is not our natural language. Now, I know for some, it's just, don't feel that that's a necessity. That's fine. But I want you to understand, that was a situation that I encountered at a church in Arkansas, little bitty church. And a lady came to visit, and she sat in the back of the church. But there was a little lady, little old lady during worship was just worshiping God and speaking in tongues, just worshiping. This lady had never heard that before. And the only reason why I know this story, because I was standing at the back door and sort of eavesdropping on this conversation. This lady visitor went to this old and says, excuse me, who in your family is Cherokee? She went, what do you mean? She said, who in your family is Cherokee? No one. She said, I'm sorry. I'm not believing that somebody in your family is Cherokee. What do you mean? She said, I sat behind you and I heard you speak my my tribal language with such fluency. It astounded me because I'd never heard someone speak it that looked like you. And so out of curiosity, the lady said, well, what was I saying? She said, you were just thanking God for everything that he had done for you. And I understood everything you were saying. And I went, whoa, yes, Jesus, cha-ching. You see, here is what we need to understand. Paul talks about when there is tongues in the church, he would prefer us not to do it. But if it does, let there be an interpretation so that, the, that, that even those who do not know what's going will be, the learning will be fruitful. But he says it's for the building up of yourself because sometimes we become overwhelmed with life that we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit make groanings and intercession for us that when we do not know what to pray, He begins to make intercession for us. Come on, somebody. And then we get the strength that even though I don't know what I just said, I got the confirmation to the Spirit because there was an overwhelming peace that came off of what was just said. In, there was a, a, a scripture in, in Acts, and we don't have this, but in Acts, they, they gathered all these languages of people on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit began to fall on those in the upper room, and they began to speak with all these different languages. And all these different people from around the world had gathered. I'm giving you a short version. And then the thing they said was, how is it that we hear these people hearing, speaking our native language when we know they have not gone to school to learn our language? They are unlearned. And then they declared they're speaking glorious things of what God is doing and has done. They understood it. Again, what happened? It was an incredible gift, but it was pointing to God. Another gift of utterance is called the interpretation of tongues. The Holy Spirit will, in this gift, the Holy Spirit will reveal what is being said or being prayed about to the Father. Sometimes when we pray and Lord, and, and we just speak in tongues and say, Lord, I ask, reveal to me what my inner man just spoke to you. And God will reveal it to you. Because it's also there to find the body of Christ and building you up. 
So we've got the first set of gifts is the gifts of utterance, prophecy, diverse tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The second set of gifts is called the gifts that do something. They're called the power gifts. Somebody say power gifts. Now, that's not a whole lot of explanation I want to give you other than this. There are the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of miracles. They're self-explanatory. They're not relegated to just people who stand on this pulpit. They're not relegated to just people who sit on the front row. They're relegated to every single believer who have been blood-bought, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've submitted yourself under the Lordship and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're walking out of His Word. He says, that is for you as well. Now, but this is what I want you to understand about these miracles, these power gifts. These power gifts are given in a greater capacity as we draw closer to the Lord and become more intimate with him. Did you hear what I just said? Had nothing to do with your qualifications as a pastor, a deacon. Had everything to do with your intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You get a greater capacity as we draw closer to the Lord in our own personal relationship with him. And increase our knowledge. Here's the second part. Increase our knowledge and levels about him through the study of his word. In other words, let me put it this way. The closer I get to him and become more intimate with him. That I can separate myself from my busy schedule. And spend my time with him and love his word. You begin to realize that God will send you some places like Rouses. And you'll be putting some beans in the buggy or you'll be at the register and you'll overhear someone says you know I, I, i've got to go have surgery tomorrow i just I, you know I'm, I'm really fearful over what's going and then you'll feel this incredible urge and you wait and he's like god i don't want to you walk in excuse me you don't know me but i heard what you were saying do you mind if i pray for you and if they ask you why i just feel the lord want to give you a miracle And I'm going to be honest with you. I've experienced that. Very few people who in a moment of desperation will tell you no. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Very few people will tell you no. And the Holy Spirit, see, here's the thing you need to understand. Thank you, Jesus. We never know how God is dealing with people in their lives. We don't never know how people are struggling. God, if you're real, show yourself to me. That lady may have been praying that very prayer last night. And when she got, God, if you're real, I've been struggling. God, reveal yourself. And because you have been spending intimate time with him, because you have been spending time with God in his word, and when he spoke to you to go pray for her, you didn't go, you weren't fearful because you know his voice. And you stepped out. And guess what? Well, Lord, what if I pray for her and she die? That ain't on you. That's not on you. The only thing he requires out of us is obedience. Somebody say obedience. That's the only thing he requires. We obey, leave the rest to him. 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 Say it with me. I obey, leave the rest to him. I obey, leave the rest to him. Is this helping anybody? The final, the last three gifts are called the gifts that reveal something. We had the gifts of utterance, prophecy, diverse tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The gifts that do something, the power gifts, predicated on our ability to become more intimate with him and a greater capacity with the scriptures. And third, the gifts that reveal something. Somebody said reveal something. The first gift is called the gift of the word of wisdom. What is that gift? Through the Holy Spirit... Every believer is given the ability to properly apply the knowledge that we may already have about a particular thing. The gift of wisdom. I love this because every morning, Tina, I know you do the same thing. Nathan, you do the same. Eric, teacher, do the same thing. And we do this all the time with our kids. We pray for our children. Lord, give our children wisdom beyond their age. I want you to start praying that for your children. I don't care if they're 40, 50, 20, 10, 9, just newborn. I want you to start laying on your hand and use the gift of utterance and start prophesying and declaring, Lord, give my children wisdom beyond their age. You know what? Because they're going to need it. Give them wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to properly apply the knowledge of something we already have. For example, 
on your job. Here's the practical part. On your job, you may have a new assignment, one of which you've never done before. And you take it because it comes with a pay raise. But at that point, you say, man, I don't know if I can do this. Stop right there. Say, Lord, I thank you for the wisdom to do this. Give me the wisdom. Once I gain the knowledge, give me the wisdom to apply that to the knowledge of this thing. And I will give you glory for it. So that's an example. Uh, assignment at work. Here's another uh, with the gift of wisdom for how to handle a family crisis. See, some of us speak too quickly in family crisis. We need to pull back and say, Lord, I will not say anything. Give me wisdom to know what to say or sometimes what not to say. And here's for all my school-age children in college. Wisdom for academic excellence in school. Subjects that sort of plague our children. You see, uh, let me say this, and then I'm going to move on. We have to be careful. And I know certain kids have certain abilities. They do. But we have to be careful how we allow the professionals to label our children. Y'all, did y'all hear what I just said? Because I have seen people... Great men and women who was labeled as learning disabled or 504 or dyslexic have gone on and have done incredible things in their lives because they refuse to allow labels to be placed upon them. Anybody heard of a man named Tony Evans? Incredible. I think I would say Tony Evans is very successful. Priscilla Shires, his daughter. Anthony Evans, one of my favorite singers. Mega church in Dallas. Got a Bible college. Can I share something with you? Many of you probably don't know this. In school, he was labeled as learning disabled because he had a speech impediment and he could not talk. Somebody forgot to tell Tony's mother that. Because while that might be true of what they said, but when you stand under the authority of Christ... All that changes because our lives should be a reflection of his authority, not our own. He gets the glory. The second is the word of knowledge. What is the word of knowledge? It is supernatural knowledge and insight given directly to you and I by the Holy Spirit himself and not from our own intelligence level. It is supernatural knowledge. It is God's super on our natural Giving us supernatural knowledge about a thing that we didn't know. For example, when Christ said, who do men say we are? And who do I am? And they went through all these men. And then Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did Jesus tell him? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. He said, your mouth spoke and your brain didn't even catch it. I believe God wants to reveal certain levels of information to you that is beyond your understanding and your natural knowledge. So that should not, with that being said, that should not be nothing you cannot do. When the challenge comes, when God opened the door for you to take the next step or whatever it is he's asking you to do. He said, I may not be able to know, I may not know how to do it now. But I know where my source of knowledge comes from. It comes from God. God, I thank you that you opened up this door for me. Give me the wisdom to understand and apply and give me the knowledge so I can do this for your glory. Wow. What's the example? What is the, the, the application? A new assignment at work. How to handle a family crisis and wisdom and knowledge. It says how to solve critical marital crisis. How to find misplaced items. Anybody ever lost something and couldn't find it, got frustrated? Like, Lord, I need you to, I need you to help me. Anybody in here? I got an opportunity to preach somewhere at a church in, race in, uh, in Lockport. On the way there, I, pray, I fasted and prayed all that week to pray, uh, to get ready for the message. And the Lord said, Freddie, I want to be seen in this message. Okay, fine. That's all I said. And on the way down there, I was studying my notes. Man, I'm like, okay, study my notes, study my notes. Closed the book up, got there, did the worship. They called me up, took the same notebook, put it right there, getting ready for the message, open the notebook, pages were blank. And so I'm saying, everything in me is just, my freakometer is on 10. <laughs> you ever said, anytime you're nervous, never let them see you sweat? It was pouring. 
And I was trying to exalt the people, thank the pastor, thank the worship team, thanking everything crawling on the floor. I'm like, what happened to my notes? What happened? What, where? I was just reading them. And the Holy Spirit gently said, stop. Tonight is about me, not about you. And everything in me said, don't you think you should let me know that? You should have told me something. And for the next 45 minutes, something happened that had never happened to me in my life. For the next 45 minutes, I stepped off the pulpit with a mic in my hand. And the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit driven, began to get a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. One after the other, one after the other. And the whole time I would walk up to people saying, everything in me was going like, shut up. Stop it. You're not sorry. You're an idiot. You just, I mean, the enemy was just working me, wanted me to stop. But see, God got the glory because when it was all done, I walked back on the pulpit and I looked down, my nose were open, and the words appeared. I'm like, what the? Don't tell me God don't have a sense of humor. And don't tell me God won't get you out there if you keep hanging around that waist-deep water. What happened? After it was over, every single one of those people came up to me and said, there was no way you could have known what you knew save God himself. There was no way, absolutely no way. And the glory went to God the Father. And closing, I want to just give you this scripture. This is, this is amazing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to see this. It says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins and which you were once walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince and power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and our own mind and were by nature the children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his grace and love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Here it is. By grace, you have been saved. Somebody say grace. Grace. Hallelujah. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places where? In Christ. Somebody say Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, we have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any of us should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works which the Lord God had prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now watch this. This is the most important part because in verse 10 it says, For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I want you to stand to your feet. What we just described to you was what we call next level spiritual living, kingdom living. And it's very simple. Very simple. These are not just for a certain elite group of people. God wants to reveal himself in in, in incredible ways to the body of Christ. And can I tell you why? For one purpose, that is to bring glory to him, to him, to leave no doubt to the world that God is real and Jesus is alive. That's, that's, That's what this is all about. For any one of you in here that says, you know what? I heard those were gifts for those who have loved the Lord, who gave their life to Jesus Christ. But what about me? I've never had the opportunity to give my life to Jesus Christ. With every eye closed and every head bowed. If you are in this place today and you know God is calling you, it's like, man, this is deep. But I want, I want to know him because I've tried to control everything about my life and it's been a mess. But today I surrender all to him. I want you to come down to the front and I'm going to quickly pray with you. We're not going to take too much time. You know this is your hour. This is your moment. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to move at this moment. God is calling you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to show you who he is for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to bring glory to himself. If you said you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to come at this time very quickly. I ask everyone to pray. God, let your word be true.
Let your word be true. Let your word be true. Very quickly. Is that one who said, I give my life to Jesus this day. Thank you, Father. Won't you come? God is waiting on you. Come on down, son. Come on down. Come on down, son. Come on. Is there any other? Is there any other? God has been waiting on you. God's been waiting on you. God's been waiting on you. Yes, sir. God is waiting on you. Very quickly. Would you come over here, sir? God bless the two of you. I want you guys to extend your hand to these two men. That's a very powerful step that you two guys made. You responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Your son, he's going to set you on a journey, gentlemen, that's going to be incredible. He called you way before you made this move because he loved you. I want you guys to repeat this prayer after me, okay? Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Everything, I give it to you. My heart, my soul, my mind. I no longer walk in my own path. But this day, before this entire congregation, I choose you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, forgive me for going my own way. But Lord, today, I choose you. Set my feet on a righteous path. I thank you for forgiving me, washing me of all my sins, and writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, I thank you that I am now redeemed Adopted by the blood of Jesus. And because what you did at the cross, dying as a substitute for me, you died so I could live. I accept your sacrifice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.